Hey, welcome to night school. And this is going to be another two a day. As it should be, we're, you know, just a couple days away from football season. This coming Thursday is the opening football game. And I wasn't terribly excited about the season just because it seems like everything has been co-opted by current events, uh, including sports. And it's not that I even care that deeply about those things eking their way in, but it did make me less excited but now that it's here, you know, I'm looking forward to watching the Seahawks. I'm, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. I bought a new Seahawks hat today at Target. Dear Diary. Dear Diary, I bought a new hat. That's my kind of diary entry. Found an old hat of mine in storage. It still, it still fits. Dear Diary, I got a new hat. Dear Diary, I wore a hat that I haven't worn for a while. Just a hat diary. I'm sitting on a couch, I gotta admit. Full disclosure, as they say. I'm sitting on a couch. I I don't like to admit that. You know, I've made my feelings on couches very clear on this show over the years. Not just what couches do to you physically, the way they encourage a sedentary lifestyle of binge-watching and binge-eating a life that revolves around getting up from the couch only to sit back down at the, at the couch. A couch, an up and down couch lifestyle with a whole lot of down. You're going to spend a lot more time down with your butt down on that couch. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's a couch. You know, uh, it's, it's a place to sit. But, I mean, the thing, of course, is is that it's not just the sedentary lifestyle. It's not just the Netflix body that you develop. It does something to your brain. You end up with couch brain. Sitting on a couch affects you psychologically. Whereas sitting in a chair does something a little different. I mean, there's a reason why your dad, and maybe not your dad, but dads used to sit in a chair and read the paper. It wasn't just a trend, it was that ancient vein that I like to talk about. It was something inside of those, those old dads, your old dad, sitting in his chair. That was, I bet he felt just completely at home. I feel that way when I sit in a chair. Not just any chair. I mean, you're, not, you're, not, you're really not going to feel that way sitting in a computer chair or a dining room, dining table chair. Nothing against those. They're chairs. And because they're chairs, I like them. But they're not going to give you the same effect as a... What are they even called? Like an easy chair? Is that what they're called? Easy chair? Just a big old chair. And, you know, you can decide yourself whether you want to, you know, kick up your feet, depending on how hard your day was. But I kind of like the idea of sitting attentively with your back straight in a chair opposed to a couch. But, you know, it doesn't change the fact that I'm on a couch right now. And so you're probably going to hear the couch brain coming through. I mean, of course, it's late. It's 11 o'clock at night, 10.58 to be exact. I know how people are about time. There's those people out there where if you say, oh, it's 11 o'clock, there's someone out there who will say, it's 10.58. You mean 10.58? We call those people scientists and they're geniuses. Uh, yet somehow they haven't discovered what uh, couch brain is. Those scientists who, when you say it's a, when you round up to 11 o'clock, will remind you that it's actually 10.58, somehow... Somehow, they still haven't discovered even the cause of couch brain. Even though we know what causes it, it's sitting on a couch too much. It's too much couch time. They'll catch up. They'll catch up. Science catches up to the things that we've known all along. And then we give them awards. And that's okay. Okay. Because they have low self, scientists have low self-esteem. 
Otherwise, they wouldn't need to cut everything open and break it down to its smallest level. You know, why that's a sign of, of low self-esteem, I don't know. I'll let them figure it out, since that's what they do. That's what the scientists do. Why don't you point out more obvious things to me? And tell me you need more evidence for things that we've known uh, all along, but suddenly you've decided are questionable. No, I don't, I don't need this episode. I, you know, I don't need to be trashing scientists from a couch on Labor Day. That's not something I need to be doing. But what do I need? What do I need to be doing? More body mod. I need to decorate my body more. My body isn't nearly decorated enough. I mean, I'm not even circumcised. Sorry for the the TMI. But my parents, they really messed up. They really messed up my body mod credibility by not chopping a part of my dickie off. You know, what's up with that? How, How dare my parents not mutilate the most sensitive part of my body without my consent? I mean, no wonder I don't have any tattoos or piercings. It's because my parents didn't start me on the body mod path early enough. They didn't uh, cut off a part of my dicky. <laughs> and I apologize. I turned the gain way up on the mic since I'm sitting. I'm kind of lounging. I mean, it should go without saying that since I'm sitting on the couch, you know, I'm kind of I'm trying to lounge. But where the coffee table... Actually, I could figure this out. This is one of those things. Years ago, I realized I had all these Windex bottles with just a tiny bit of Windex in them, and it was just driving me crazy when I looked under the sink. And one day I realized, oh, I can pour them all into one bottle. I mean, as much as I trash scientists, I ain't too smart myself. I ain't exactly a scientist myself. But yeah, it was a big moment for me. I realized, oh, I've got all these bottles of Windex and like the little straw that connects the sprayer down to the bottom of the bottle. It like all of the Windex that was left was like just under the under the straw so that it didn't you had to kind of angle it to get any kind of spray and it was frustrating me. It's like I had like six Windex bottles just sitting there with a tiny amount in them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can pour them all into one. I can mix them. I guess for some reason I didn't think it was a good idea or it didn't even cross my mind to mix my my low Windex bottles. Uh, but it was a big moment for me when I figured that out. And I just figured something out similarly because... I wanted this episode to be kind of loungy. I just, I'm in the mood. It's late at night. I just kind of want to lounge. I'm on a couch and I'm, I'm right now I'm on a couch and I'm kind of hunching forward, even though the, even though the gain on the mic is up so that I don't have to be as close to the mic, I'm still finding myself having to hunch forward to get the, the levels that I want to get the kind of response I want. But it just dawned on me that I have this little coffee table here. It just dawned on me I got this little coffee table here that I can inch forward and you can hear the exertion in my voice. I know this is becoming almost pornographic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there we go. I can inch. I just discovered, kind of like I discovered I could mix all those Windex bottles into one Windex bottle with like half the amount of fluid of a brand new bottle, I just realized I could kind of eke this little coffee table forward. But yeah, if you do hear a little extra gain, I mean, I feel like every episode the the voice is just blown out, but uh, a little extra gain. So if you hear some ambient sounds, uh, just imagine you're feeling the room. You're here with me. You're feeling the room. You're here with me. Still feel like I'm hunching forward a little bit, you know, and then you run the risk too, because here I am. I'm gonna pull the coffee table up a little more, I'm gonna make things pornographic again. But I'm a little worried about my legs not having enough room now. Um, enough of this, <laughs> enough of this. 
But yeah, you know, body mod, it's like that you got to start your kid early. If you want your kid to be cool, if you want your kid to desire tattoos and piercings and whatever other crazy shit they mangle themselves with, if you want your kid to dye their hair, if you want your kid to shave the sides of his head and have a top knot that's dyed blue like the girl I saw at Target today, Nothing against her. I just I'm describing her. Um, if you want your kid to look like that, you got to start early and you got to chop off the top of their dicky. That's how it all starts, like the chosen people do. I don't know how that became a thing here. I don't I don't understand that. Jokes aside, I, I mean I, I guess one of the reasons why I like my parents, why I love them. Is because they didn't do that to me. And if they did that to you, you know, okay. You probably have no no issue with it. You're like everybody else. You're like everybody else. You don't got the, 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 the tip of your dicky. And that's fine. You don't need it. Apparently we don't need it. But I do appreciate that my parents didn't do that to me. And I, I recognize the... The pitfalls of, of just talking about that. I recognize the pitfalls of even discussing that about me. The fact that I, I'm not body modded in that way. And I mean, some people go further. They'll do all kinds of crazy things. People will do all kinds of crazy things that I, I'm tempted to describe, but I don't know that I want to. Because we've all heard of or seen some of these things. And I'm not just talking about piercings. I'm talking about these splitting. I'm talking about you know, weird uh, bars going through the center of it. And I mean, how much more do I want to talk about this? I don't, so I'm not going to. But I, I just got to tell you, I got to tell you parents, you know, if you want your kid to be cool, if you want your kid to be liked, if you want people to think that your kid is tough because he decorates his body with things that he found on the internet. If you want your kid to decorate his body with images that he googled. Wood woodcuts. Ancient woodcuts. Uh, you know, if, if you want your child to have tattoos that he got from Google. You got to start early and start in the holiest of places. You got to cut off part of his dicky. And I don't know how many times I'm going to say enough of that before I've had enough of that, but uh, it was fu it's fun. It's all in good fun, guys. Everything I say is in good fun. Unless unless it's in bad fun. I don't think anything's... Uh, there's no such thing as bad fun. You can do anything you want. Nothing matters, guys. It's all just nihilism. 2020 sucks, guys. Hey, raise your hand if you don't like 2020. Oh, look, Eric's not raising his hand. He must love 2020. Now let's ask his opinion on uh, circumcision. What's your opinion on, on circumcision in 2020? Is it different than your opinion on circumcision in 2019? It is interesting, though, how that's such a focus in the Bible. One aspect of the Bible I find questionable. You know, I do, I read the Bible, I get a lot out of it, but the emphasis on circumcision is something that I do question, and I think it's okay to question that. Hopefully it's okay. I hope that God, it's okay if I question the circumcision in the Bible. You know, I, I hope that's okay of me. But uh, it's always weird when you hear about men doing it later. Men convert to Judaism, and their girlfriend or wife asks that of them. I heard a story where a guy did it voluntarily. He wasn't even asked. That's true love. 
I hope they talked about that openly at the wedding ceremony itself. I now pronounce you man and wife. But it's not going to be technically true until we take you in the back room and chop off the top of your dicky. That's when you know you're married. Isn't that what all married men go through? Ain't that what all married men go through? They chop off your... I don't know. <laughs> um, good old free-for-all episodes. What would I do without these late-night free-for-alls? It's a free-for-all circumcision. You walk into a room, you don't even know you're getting circumcised. It's the, new, it's the hip new thing at frat parties. It's the hip new frat party. It's the hip, frat party. I was thinking frat initiation, but why not go with frat parties? They're doing it at all the frat parties now. Circumcision. It's the new body mod. What's old is new again. See, that's the kind of scientific study I want to learn about, that I want to know about. There are all these studies where it's like, oh, we got a grant. Stanford received a grant and discovered that exercise makes you feel psychologically better and helps you lose weight. They got $10 billion to study this. It's amazing the things we learn. It's amazing the things we learn from from science. These scientists, they they're just amazing. You, they got 10 billion dollars that they 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 deserved it. They deserve we needed to know that that mild exercise helps you lose a little bit of weight. Helps you lose the muffin top. You know, it's it's insane when you hear about these studies, but the studies I want to know is like, is there a correlation between being circumcised at birth and having a desire to get tattoos and piercings later? Hmm? Where's that study? Where's that $10 billion to a, a team of Stanford, Stanford scientists? I haven't heard about that one. I'm not going to say there's a conspiracy to prevent it. I'm just going to say these people are unimaginative. I'm just going to say these people don't have much of an imagination when it comes to the studies that they carry out. It reminds me of a a project I did for extra credit in eighth grade science where, for whatever reason, I, you know, I'd say I was a B-minus student in science. My heart wasn't in it. I think I knew even then. I think I knew even then. That some just didn't smell quite right about the uh, the scientific fan club, not the scientific process. I never want to be mistaken for criticizing the scientific process, but I think even then I had a little bit of a you know a bad smell concerning the science fan club that has developed. And now people have it in their front yards. Now you, I walk down the street in this area, and people have these signs in their yard that say, you know, we believe in open borders. We believe in science. In this house, we believe in science. Reminds me of a bumper sticker I saw that said, in our house, we say Merry Christmas. Now we have ones that say, in our house, we believe in science. But, you know, going back eighth grade science... You know, I was like kind of a B minus student, and so for extra credit to maybe get myself up to a B or a B plus, I did a project at home where I soaked a number two pencil in a Tupperware container of Coca Cola for a week or something like that. I don't remember the exact amount of time, but I I put a, a number two pencil, my favorite number two pencil. No, it was just a just another pencil to me. You're just another pencil to me. You're just another pencil pusher. Um, But I I put this number two pencil in a a Tupperware container of Coca-Cola and left it in the fridge for a week. And what I found was that the black, I guess the, the metal eraser holder 
it was black, so I guess it had been painted that way, and it dissolved the black paint. I don't believe it did anything else. I don't believe it corroded the wood. It uh, it did make it taste like Coca-Cola when I ate it. When I ate that pencil, it did taste like a Coca-Cola popsicle. Like a textured Coca-Cola popsicle. It did taste that way when I ate it afterward. But, uh, but all it did is it, it basically removed all of the the black paint on the pencil holder. And I wrote up a paper about it. And at that point, I think my family had our first digital camera. So I took photos of it and I felt very cool, including photos of the process. I mean, it was a photo of a Tupperware container filled with Coca-Cola, which just sounds insane. The idea that I had a photo of that and I put a pencil in it. What an amazing study. How come I didn't win a, a Nobel Peace Prize for that? How come I didn't win an award? How come I didn't get a $10 billion grant? I could fill this whole laboratory up with Tupperware containers filled with all kinds of sodas. No wonder I'm so bitter. They didn't give me a grant to test out. I could put number two pencils in every type of soda known to man. I could order sodas overseas just to see what they did to number two pencils. They probably would all do the same thing. The acids in the in the colas, in the colors. Here's a project idea. Here's a project idea. Soak a number two pencil in a Tupperware container filled with Bang Miami Cola. That's a test I would like to see. But see, you, I already know what would happen. I already know what would happen if I soaked a number two pencil in Miami Cola. The pencil would grow to three times its current size. And the lead would last forever. It would never run out. You could sharpen it a million times and the pencil would stay the same length. That's what would happen if you soaked a number two pencil in a Tupperware container of Miami Cola. I mean, the Tupperware container would burst. The pencil would get so big it would burst. But, um, you know, I don't even need to do it because, I, you know, I got nothing to prove. I got, I, got nothing, I got nothing to prove. That's the nice thing about Miami Cola is when you drink Miami Cola, you really have nothing to prove. You just need to let people know you're drinking it. And I actually have two in the fridge. I got two of those bangs in the fridge. When I was at Target earlier, I now know that they have Miami Cola. And it wasn't cold. It was in a section that was not refrigerated, which is okay. I have the patience to bring it home, refrigerate it. I'm just glad they had it. And so tomorrow I will be drinking Miami Cola, which is a very nice thought. It's a very nice, it's nice to look forward to tomorrow and know there is a cold Miami Cola waiting for me. And I can tell you, I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to pour it in some Tupperware container. I'm not going to stick a pencil in it. That's what a scientist would do. That's what I did when I was a scientist. When I was an eighth grade scientist, I wasted cola by sticking pencils in it for peanuts, peanut points of extra credit, just to bump my grade up from a B minus to a B. Peanut points. Oh, great. I, I, my, I bumped my grade up from a B minus to a B. It's peanut points. But um, in a free-for-all, what else you got? What else you got when you got everything available? You know, we've already covered uh, circumcision. We've already covered science. We've already made a Miami Cola reference. 
You know, we got it all available, but sometimes when you got it all available, you got nothing. Isn't that the truth? It's like the more equipment you have, like if you're recording music, you know, the more equipment you have available, the less creative desire you have, for a lot of people at least. It's true for me. Same is true for art. You know, limits, constraints are nice. It's nice to kind of dig your way through a narrow tunnel sometimes and see what you can find. Although there is something to be said for just swinging wildly. It's nice to know you have a lot of space around you to just swing wildly, to just flail. That's what a free-for-all is. I'll watch these fight videos, and I don't like to watch them. It was more in the past that I would occasionally watch these street fight videos. And some of them, you'd see these fights in the ghetto where everybody was fighting everybody. You thought you thought it was like two different sides fighting each other like a greaser soch rumble from the outsiders. But then you'd re- you'd watch it for a few minutes and then you'd realize, "Oh, everybody's beating up everybody." It's ever it's like a demolition derby with people and they're just flailing at each other and everybody's hitting everybody. It's a, we call that a mosh pit where I come from. A mosh pit. A lot of people with body mod in that mosh pit. A lot of people who, uh, you know, saved up a lot of coins in their piggy bank so they could stick a, a steel bar through their. Just what your grandpa fought in the war for. Grandpa, he, he went overseas in World War II so that you could be so desperate for self-expression that you had a bar stuck through your... through your... through your dicky. That's the word of the day, is your dicky. This is, this is one of those crude episodes. I did an episode like this maybe a year and a half ago was the one where I talked about trespassing in a state park when it was closed and how I felt like I was on the run, how I was having to hide. There was some staff there, and I felt like I, I, felt like I was the fugitive. I felt like I was the fugitive and how I made up this elaborate story. Yeah, there were, there were some workers with chainsaws cutting felled trees and how I was, I made up this elaborate story about how they were going to accuse me of walking around with my pants unzipped and my dick out, my dicky out. And uh, this girl that I, I was going on dates with listened to that. And she had really enjoyed my podcast up to that point. And then I got this message where she was like, she said it was so crude. She couldn't believe how crude that episode was. <laughs> And uh, it's true. I mean, sometimes you got to go there. I don't like it. I don't like getting crude, but sometimes that's just, you know, that's where you got to go. When you're flailing wildly, when you're just wildly flailing your fists in a free-for-all, you just, you're going to end up getting pretty crude. You're going to be talking about the roots of body mod. You know, the the roots of body mods start at the groin level. But, um, you know, sometimes I I have to go there. I don't like to. And trust me, because I I don't like potty humor. I don't like body talk. I don't like that kind of body talk. But, you know, I got to cover my, I got to cover the spectrum here. You know, this show is about social commentary, cultural commentary, and... Our bodies, man. Our bodies are part of the culture. My body, my choice, except when your parents are cutting off the tip of your dicky. Because, you know, they they have their reasons. Your parents have their reasons. (laughs) Your parents have their logical reasons. And the doctor, oh boy, it's 
It's the best part of the job. For That's why people become doctors. That's why people become doctors. It's like uh, they wait. they wait all week for that. Not because they're sickos. Not because they're audiophiles. Pedo audiophiles. There's a high correlation between pedophiles and audiophiles. It's because of the suffix files. Because of the suffix files, there's a high correlation between people who are pedophiles and audiophiles. Where's the study on that? What percentage? We got to get these scientists back on track. It's not that I don't like scientists. I just feel that they've gone down. They Scientists have been hanging out with the wrong crowd. I say that half-jokingly. Because the truth is that they really have. Scientists have been hanging out with the wrong crowd. They've been taking money from the wrong people. They've been drinking martinis with the wrong Benito Mussolini's. When they should be drinking apple teenies with the Benito Mussolini gasolinis. And as a result, we're in this mess. I do like that I've become one of those anti science people that are viewed as the scum of the earth now. <laughs> I do like that I've somehow become one of those people. I mean, I've been that way. Born this way, I would say. Born this way, folks. Born this way doesn't just apply to one thing. Born this way doesn't just apply to what you want it to apply to. Lady Google was talking about all kinds of things when she said born this way. She wasn't talking about circumcision, though, because you're not born that way. You're not born circumcised. But she was talking about people who were skeptical of science. No, she she was talking about people who are not skeptical of the scientific process and the way that we analyze information objectively, the way that we collect data and analyze it objectively, which is a beautiful process, and we should all do it in various ways. She was talking about those of us who think that scientists fell in with the wrong crowd in junior high and that their talents are going to waste trying to teach us that, oh, it turns out when you spend uh, an hour in the sun, you either get burnt or you get a little bit of a tan. Stanford got $10 billion to learn that. Turns out if you spend an hour and 15 minutes in the sun, you either get tan or burnt. Thanks for the grant. To me, that's hanging out with the wrong crowd. To me, that money's going somewhere else. To me, that the <laughs> to me this this money that's going to made up grants. Although I, I'm only once again, I'm only half joking. Because you'll hear about these things. You'll hear about these grants that go to these studies at universities where they really are studying whether water is wet. Well, we found that it dries and evaporates, so we're not sure that it's truly wet all the time. Here I am quoting the crow. Can't rain all the time. Water isn't wet all the time. It took us $99 billion in eight years, and we've determined that water is wet most of the time. Where's my award? You're going to give it to him? You're going to give my award to him? It's funny to hear scientists talk about that stuff. It's, it's funny to hear scientific scientific jealousy. I want to see a study done about how many scientists are jealous of the accolades given to other scientists for reasons that 
the jealous scientists think are um, stupid, that they think are stupid. This is a snotty episode, I understand. I understand this is a very snotty episode. Not really, though. There's no snot in this nose. I'm not snotty at all. This is a dry nose. Study that. Study how, study the fact that, you know, I just called myself snotty, but my nose is very far from snotty at the moment. It's what we call dry nose. It's kind of like couch brain. Study couch brain. Study what a couch does to the human mind. Study this. Now, we'll see what happens with all the universities. We'll see what happens with the schools. That's one thing I can't help but see as a positive turn in all of this. Even though, even though the schools have been ideologically possessed, that's not new. And they might go even further off the deep end as far as that goes. But I can't help but think, you know, we needed to stop that machine from turning. Because everybody agrees something was horribly wrong. The debt, the meaningless degrees... The the pompousness of it. The idea that going to spending four extra years studying things makes the entirety of your life more valuable. And I did that, you know, and I did all that. I don't say that from a place of, of the of the the bitterness of somebody who was left out of that system. And I got something out of it. I got something out of college. Uh, but I think most people agree. The Everybody except for the administrators of colleges pretty much agrees that something was horribly wrong with that system. And I, whether or not that system has truly been halted or changed as a result of uh, pandemonium quarantine... Coroni Violand. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if people are able to revert back. We'll see if people snap back when the time comes. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Because there's a very real muscle memory. And it, in some ways, it's that ancient vein that I was talking about. Although I don't think all of this stuff is that ancient all of these things that we valued, that we found important, all of these processes, all of these systems that we were participating in in recent generations, I don't think those were part of the ancient vein, but there was nonetheless a muscle memory that we developed. You know, once once you fall back into it, it's it's not going to be too weird going back to school, going back to an office. Some people already are. Some people are already doing that. But on the other hand, things could be changed forever. Things could be changed forever. Things could be changed forever. Whatever that is. Whatever that means. But it's it's a smoky night out there. We got wildfires. This is the news portion of the show. Any free-for-all is nothing without a little bit of a news cap. And, you know, we got wildfires in eastern Washington, so it smells like a campfire outside in western Washington, and you can see little bits of ash floating around. Never pleasant, but always interesting. Makes for great sunsets. And that's about the most positive spin I can place on it. It's a great time for a Buddhist practice. You know, when you got fires raging, when you got civil unrest, when people are testing you, when it seems like random interactions with people are some kind of test of your ability to restrain yourself and maintain civility, which doesn't seem that hard. I mean, I'm finding it's very easy to have 
not just uh, middle-of-the-road, neutral sort of interactions. I'm actually finding it's very easy to have genuinely kind, genuinely compassion interactions with people that maybe I've just... Uh, maybe the grain I've been flowing with is just the right one. You know, at any moment I could run across, you know another terror. I mean, I was behind a, a drunk driver in my own neighborhood. I mean, just blatantly drunk or pilled out. Something was wrong. Elderly, drunk, and or pilled out. Could have been all of the above, but they were just weaving so wildly. They just had no control. And I called 911. And uh, as I was ex- as I was giving the trucks information, as I was given the, the full snitch on them, they pulled into their driveway and went in the garage. And the 911 dispatcher said, oh, we, we can't do anything now that they're home. And I was like, well, they got home safe. But I, I don't really go out driving after dark for that reason because I think there's an increase in substance abuse. I think that people are going heavy and hard. People who have already had issues, I, I imagine there have been a lot of relapses. I'm grateful to be sober. I'm grateful to be not drinking. Uh, But I don't think about it much. I might mention it on here. It might come up, but it's not something that possesses my mind that I obsess over. Uh, But, you know, it does seem like everything going on in the world may well have uh, poured itself into a glass in someone's hand. It might keep refilling that glass. And I get it. I mean, I can imagine it'd be really fun in a weird way to be drunk right now. Uh, It's not tempting for me, but I can imagine for that person who wants to do that, it might be really fun to observe the madness with a drink in your hand. But it's more than enough for me with my Miami Cola once or twice a week. I've been having a lot more. Uh, The people whose house I'm painting... Uh, bought me a lot of Miami Colas. I consider it a tip. I told them I like those, and now when they go to the store, they get them for me. <laughs> that, that's love, you know? I, I love it. You know, people are great. Told them I like Miami Cola, and they get them for me. That's so nice. <laughs> you know? Uh but, you know, I remember in 2016, 2015, when I was drinking a lot, it was fun to just get drunk and give in to the chaos and watch it. And now that it's that tenfold, I can't even imagine what that's like. But I was going out a lot then. You know, people can't go out as much now. So I don't, that's probably horrible. The fact that people are, uh, the fact that the world is f- filling people's glasses and they're able to just uh, put it down, whether it's for fun or some sort of coping mechanism or both. I imagine being stuck at home with that and just, you know, sitting on the couch watching uh, whatever you watch, scrolling the feeds. That's probably not good. That's probably not a good thing. But it's none of my business. As long as they're not weaving in their little truck in front of me on my way home from Target, like this person tonight, who I called 911 on. Most of my 911 calls in my life have been about drunk drivers. I don't hesitate to call. If I, if someone looks like they're driving drunk, and I feel like I know the difference between an absent-minded driver, a texter, a texter. You heard of a Texan? Well, this is a texer, a texter. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good at differentiating between someone looking at their phone, someone not paying attention, someone who's old, and a good old-fashioned drunk driver. I feel like I'm pretty good at recognizing that. And so I don't hesitate. I don't like being a snitch. I don't consider that snitching, though. And that's one of those things that I, I probably said on here. I'm not sure if I have, but with the whole defund and abolish the police type of uh, talk, when people first started saying that, you know, my point was, 
Are you ready to stop your friends from driving drunk? If you believe in less of a police presence or none, are you ready to be the one who stops your belligerent friend from becoming a battering ram? Are you ready to physically restrain them somehow, some way? Are you ready to risk ruining that friendship? Probably not, because I know how people are. People are too afraid to even discourage their friends from driving drunk, especially when everybody's a drunk and everybody is drunk. People have a very difficult time stopping their friends from potentially killing themselves or somebody else. So get rid of the police and good luck with that. You're going to be the one to stop them now? You can't even do it now. You can't even say something. You can't even say, hey, maybe you shouldn't drive home. Hey, maybe you shouldn't drive home. You know, you can't even, you don't even have the balls to say that. You don't have the balls to say that to them now. And then without any police, what are you going to do? I know that without police, I'm not going on the roads ever. I'm riding a train everywhere. Except then the conductor's going to be drunk. A drunk conductor. That's what happens. That's what happens when you abolish the police as the train conductors start getting drunk and there's nothing you can do about it. This train isn't on time. This train was supposed to be here at 11. This train was supposed to be here at 10.58, and now it's 11. This train was supposed to be here, and it's, it's, it, it's 10 hours later, and it never came. The conductor is asleep. What does a conductor even do? What does, let's, that's a good uh, scientific study. Let's get Stanford to do that. Let's give Stanford $20 billion to figure out what a conductor does. Does he hit the brakes? What else do you do? This isn't, and I'm not trying to devalue conductors here. I just genuinely don't know. I know they stand there. I know they toot the horn. I guess they pull on the brakes. Do they even do that? What does a conductor do when he conducts a train ride? Is he just there? Is he a figurehead? Is it like what people say about president or politicians or the British monarchy in present day, where it's like, oh, the conductor, he's just a figurehead. He's just there because people want to think somebody's in charge. See, people get really uncomfortable when they think that there ain't nobody in charge. But the reality is nobody's running this train. You're running this train. I'm running this train. We're all running this train more than the conductor's doing anything. But we just like to think there's a guy who's doing something, who toots the horn every once in a while, who toots the horn every once in a while. You know what the reality is, is that the conductor's up there with his dicky out. That's the reality. Here we are just... Tarnishing the reputations of conductors everywhere, train conductors. There are no air traffic controllers, I'll tell you that much. There are no air traffic controllers. They're, uh, they're not even lifeguards. Lifeguards are the air traffic controllers of the water. And they're more important in some ways because they're directing your children. They're supervising your children who are far more precious than airplanes, aeroplanes. I never figured out that distinction between airplane and aeroplane. I guess uh, it's kind of a, an old-timey way of saying it, aeroplane. In old RPGs, 
One of the magic spells that bad guys would cast is Arrow, A-E-R-O, and it's kind of a wind spell that attacks everybody. I assume it pertains to wind, air. A wind plane. I like that. This is a wind plane. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, there's so many jobs that we don't really know what they do. At least I don't. Somebody's probably watched a show on it. Somebody probably knows one, and they've talked about it over dinner. Me? No. Never met a train conductor. I did go to school. I went to college with a the son of an air traffic controller, and he used to talk about it a lot. He used to talk about how his dad was an air traffic controller, and then one day he announced that he was going to become one, and he was serious. It was a real... What do you call it? Like, what? what's the Middle Ages where the father takes on the same job as his son? <laughs> or, sorry, rather, the son takes on the same job as his father. It turns out that uh, fathers in the Middle Ages didn't have jobs. They had to wait till their son was full-grown and had his own job, and then he trained the father. No, but uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what that's called. That is the reason it stands out. Since we're since we're talking about crude things, is I had this castle diagram book that was incredible. Probably influenced my art in ways. It was very detailed. It was cross sections. It was I think fantastic cross sections or something to that effect. And this one was about castles, and it had the gong farmer who was a guy who just shoveled shit all day in the bottom of the castle. The toilets all ran down to this, not really a sewer, just some sort of pit in the bottom of the castle. And there was a guy who, the little drawing of him shows him wearing a mask, not unlike the masks that we are wearing today during the coronavirus pandemonium quarantine. The gong farmer was ahead of his time. As you can see, he is depicted here wearing a mask, not unlike the masks that you and I wear today, in response to the coronavirus quarantine, pandemonium. But, uh, yeah, he was depicted in a mask like that, as he would. He's shoveling shit. Of course he wears a mask. He's shoveling shit all day. Shoveling shit all day. Um, but, uh, the gong farmer, and it was a, I guess, a hereditary job, if you want to call it that. I don't know if you even called it jobs. I don't think they even called them jobs. In the Middle Ages, they didn't even call them jobs. It's just what you did. But I believe the gong farmer inherited his duties from his father. This was a family who shoveled shit for generations, And I knew uh, the son of an air traffic controller who decided to become an air traffic controller himself. It's like you see in pro wrestling. There's so many fathers and sons and grandsons. It makes sense. They know the business. They know what it takes. You see it in professional sports. You can see where some of these... Uh, caste system, I guess. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. The feudal caste system. All those things mean the same thing to me. But, uh, you know, we see how that stuff plays out naturally. We think about the Middle Ages and we're like, oh, you had to do what your father did and you could never do anything else. You could never break for the mold. If your father was a blacksmithy, you were a blacksmithy. And uh, we think of that as this, you know, forced system. But it kind of gets back to that idea I always like to riff on about you know, society didn't create us. We created society. And society, in turn, reinforces the natural tendencies we already had that established society the way it was. It's a chicken and the egg discussion, but in this case, we predated society, okay? I'm just going to say it. Maybe you need Stanford. Maybe you need to feed Stanford... A hundred trillion billion dollars. You need to give. You need to give Stanford a hundred billion million trillion dollars so that we can figure out society actually started from man, establishing it, 
not society establishing man. Good thing we gave Stanford a hundred billion million trillion billion dollars to figure all that out. Man created society in his image, just like man created computers in his image. Not too hard to figure out. But you can see where the in the Middle Ages, where, you know, fathers did what their... <laughs> I keep saying that. Fathers did what their sons did. I keep getting the order wrong. F- father, son, who cares what the order is? That's the real chicken and the egg. What came first, the father or the son? Uh, but no, sons did what their fathers did. And, you know, we act like that was... Uh, you know, some horrible primitive system, and then we get into the modern world, and it's like, oh, that just makes sense. You see it in pro wrestling. You see it with air traffic controllers. You see it uh, in other things, but, I mean, there's a comfort to that. There's a comfort to knowing your role. And it's not always great, because, yeah, you can end up being the, the gong farmer who was the son of a gong farmer, who was the grandson of a gong farmer. You know, and you shovel shit for generations and probably live a very short life. I mean, imagine hearing that the gong farmer of a castle who spends all day in a latrine pit, imagine hearing that he lived the longest life of anyone, longer than the king. It's probably one of those things like, you know who really, you know who really runs this castle? You think the king and all the noblemen, you think the knights run this castle? You think the king runs this castle? The gong farmer, he knows everything. He sees people's shit. He he sees this shit. He knows what's going on here. The janitor. The the janitor's the one who knows what's going on. It's like that idea. The gong farmer is the one who really knows what's going on. The gong farmer is the one who's who's pulling the strings. The king, he's just a front. The king's just a front for the gong farmer. We all know that. It's the man with the shovel in his hand, with the shit on the shovel, who is pulling the strings. What strings? I don't know. I don't know what strings the gong farmer pulls. Makes a good riddle. Who knows where the wild goose goes? Who knows where the strings of the gong farmer go? (laughs) We're getting pretty silly here. It's almost midnight. It's almost midnight. It's, It's time to go. It's time to get ready for bed. This is cool. I'm, I'm drinking this kombucha. And I'll tell you, it's no Miami Cola. It's no Miami Cola. But uh, it's it says at the bottom, adaptogenic schizandra. Suja organic kombucha mixed berry flavor. Adaptogenic schizandra. Makes me think of schizophrenia. This drink gives you schizophrenia. That'd be good. Adaptogenic schizandra. Does sound like some sort of diagnosis. And it has a cross next to it. I'm really curious about that. I mean, I've drank, you know, I've drank my share of kombucha. And I've never seen the phrase adaptogenic schizandra. And anything that starts with schiz tends to pertain to mental health. You think about schizoid, schizotypal, schizophrenic. I can't help but feel schizandra is also some sort of mental health reference. But why that would be on a bottle of kombucha, well, maybe we've just figured something out. The kombucha trend, the increase in kombucha consumption, which sounds pleasant to say, kombucha consumption, the name of my child. This is kombucha... (laughs) I can't even say it. Uh, Kombucha consumption, get over here. This is my son, kombucha consumption. He has adaptogenic schizandra. He was born with adaptogenic schizandra. 
they say that it's the result of uh, my family being gong farmers for multiple generations. When you're a gong farmer and you come from a long line of gong farmers, you develop a disease called adaptogenic schizandra. And they put it in kombucha. Because it tastes good. You thought, uh, what's it called? <laughs> what's, what's the... As a part of me, aspartame. I was, I would say aspartame is as, as a part of me. As part of me. Aspartame as a part of me. Everybody's worried about aspartame. Nobody's talking about adaptogenic schizandra. They're actually placing severe mental illness. They're infusing kombucha with severe mental illness. It's responsible for everything that's going on right now. It's responsible for everything going on right now. But um, I'm responsible for the rest of my night. So I think I'm going to close out this free-for-all. I think I've done enough flailing. been plenty of flailing. As much flailing as you can do from a couch, because a couch does limit the amount of flailing you do. And if you do flail... While sitting down on a couch, uh, oh, you go to jail. You go to jail, soul jail, because that exists. You don't even realize it sometimes. You don't even realize sometimes when you are in soul jail. I do. I've been there enough to know. But you have the key to get yourself out of soul jail. true though it's a it's a truth okay here i'm reading a little bit more on the side of the bottle interesting it says making great kombucha is like making great anything start with purpose and use only the best ingredients for us, that means fermenting our exceptional cultures for months, blending in our organic juices, and boosting with the powerful adaptogenic vineberry schizandra. Actually says that. So it's an adaptogenic vineberry called schizandra, and it makes you crazy. This bottle brings you a silky balance of lightly tart red and blue berries. Well, where are the white berries? I see you got red and blue berries, but where are the white berries? Where are the white berries? Closes out this little line. It closes out this little uh, section with cheers to your long, beautiful life! Exclamation point. I like that. That... That just proves to me that this drink was intended for gong farmers. This just proves to me that this was intended for the men who shovel shit in the bottom of castles for generation upon generation. Because what did I say? I said that gong farmers probably live longer lives than anyone else in the castle. So the fact that this closes out with cheers to your long, beautiful life. That just tells me they are speaking to gong farmers. Kombucha consumption, adaptogenic schizandra, the drink of gong farmers everywhere. But for me, I like Miami Cola. I hear Miami Cola has uh, adaptive schizandra in it too, though. So we got all our bases covered. Although if they don't, I should write a letter. I, you know, I, I've never written a letter to a business, and not an email. I should write a handwritten letter to Bang Energy Drink and say, Hey, you ever think of adding adaptogenic schizandra to your Miami Cola? I love Miami Cola. I don't want to mess with your formula. I don't want to mess with, you, with your formula. But you ever think about adding in maybe just a pinch? 
You ever think about just adding in a pinch of adaptogenic schizandra? And you can put on the side of the Miami Cola can, cheers to your long, beautiful life with adaptive, adaptogenic schizandra. Yeah. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children 